Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. Hey everyone, this is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only Shan Jackson. <laughs> Hello. Good morning. You said you're having your coffee. I'm having my coffee. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. I mean, fresh off the mass Singer elimination, like has it sunk in? Are you tired? Are you elated? You know, you got so far in the competition. What is going through your mind? Uh, a lot of things. I know. I feel, I mean, we, it was about a month ago, I think when we it was the finale. So I'm not tired anymore, but I, I'm uh, relieved that I can talk about it. Uh, relieved that my family and friends can kind of know what was going on. It was fun, kind of fun to keep the secret, honestly. Not a lot of things nowadays are actually secret. So, you know, as you know, everything gets spoiled. I, I remember working on American Horror Story and we would have like such a secret set and then somebody would come on for the day and take a picture of something and then ruin it. So it's kind of a, I think the magic of the mass Singer is that they do actually keep the secret. And um, that was kind of the fun, the fun thing for me. Like I would do Call Me Cat throughout the day. And then at night, I would go and park in this, in this parking lot. And then this SUV would come up and then these men would come out and I would, I would put on the mask, you know, the do not, the leave me alone, you know, jacket and all that stuff and gloves. And they would just say like, hello, Prince. And everything was very, it was like mission impossible meets eyes wide shut. It was just, it was just kind of cool. It was like, there's nothing that's actually secret. So um, that aspect of it, I, w- I was, I think kind of my favorite because that I had this fun, um, you know, secret thing going on. 
I agree. I've said that before. Like, right. Like every reality show, no matter what, or just show gets spoiled. And I have mm-hmm. interviewed so many people this season. Like, and I've said, I don't understand. I mean, I understand like what you're saying. It's like really, but I don't understand how nothing gets spoiled on the show. Nothing. And I, let me tell you, I did my best to find out who people were. I just, I have a really good musical ear. And so I, I think <laughs> if there any, if I heard anybody vocalizing through a wall, I was like, Who's that? And um, one time I did hear somebody singing that uh, I was pretty sure it was En Vogue just because that voice, the, her voice is unrecognizable or, or is so recognizable. And as we know, I was right. But that's the only one that I even got a chance to even hear a second of because they just keep you like completely. And I would ask costumes. I would ask my, uh, my producer, my vocal coach. I would just be like, okay, just like blink once if I'm right about, and they were locked down. Nothing, nothing. I was like, that's a lot of integrity. I mean, I was like, it was very impressive. I, I respect that. So I, we didn't know. I would be standing, I didn't know that I was standing next to, you know, Rudy Giuliani and Kirstie Alley. Like you just don't know who's next to you. That's kind of the, the wild part of the show. Did you watch this show before you were a part of it? Like, were you a fan? Off and on, I wasn't really an avid fan or an avid watcher, but I definitely have had friends that were on it. Um, I remember watching, uh, well, Jewel is a buddy, and I remember watching her win. And so when um, they came to me, this was not something that was ever on my radar. This is not something that I ever saw myself doing. Um, But then it came through my agent, and I just thought, Oh, how fun and weird and um, bonkers. I think uh, that could be really fun. And also nobody really knows me as a singer first. So that was a fun idea to, I kind of looked at it like this, um, like an existential experiment of sorts. Like what would it be like for someone who's fairly well-known to not to, to be on a stage, but not have anybody see your face or your body and be able to put any of their preconceived notions onto you. And I just thought that would be interesting to only be able to connect with people through my voice and through the lyrics I'm singing. So I asked Jewel um, what advice she would give me. And she said exactly what I was thinking. She said, because you can't emote with your face and your normal faculties, uh, you got to pick great songs. And you got to pick things that you connect with and that you can really show people your heart because that's the whole point. Right. And, um, and also have fun because, you know, you're a freaking frog. So that was my goal. And um, also I knew my kids would think it was hilarious and awesome. And they did. So. Do you think that helped you get far in the competition too? Like what Jewel told you? Cause I mean, look, third place, that's pretty, it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I honestly, I just didn't want to get kicked off first. And you never know with things. So there's no such thing as a sure thing. And um, also, I have to say, like, I was because I come from Broadway and the live singing world. I, at first, I got there. And I'm like, Are, is everybody really singing live? I was just a little, let's see how this goes. Totally live. <laughs> Let me assure you, um, unless there's a huge mess up and they let you go again you maybe get another shot at it, but I think everybody has just one try and you can hear us huffing and puffing and gasping. And so that was, that was one thing. 
Um, oh, shoot. I forgot your question. Just if Jules' advice particularly like helped you think, you know, just like a mo right, right, right. and like pick songs that. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. I thought it was really stealth and really great advice because, yeah, I didn't do this to win. I just wanted to. Oh, yeah. I remember now. Um, I just didn't want to go home first. I wanted to kind of stay on and sing some stuff I've always wanted to sing. I wanted to challenge myself, pick songs that I maybe always have wanted to do. Um, uh, Ricky Martin is a, is a buddy and I told him I was doing the show and I told him I was going to do his song. And I thought that would be a fun beginning to introduce you know, to the Prince and also kind of throw people off the scent because of these, the Spanish. But then as I kind of started progressing in the show, I don't know, I was, I started to get competitive and I was, I was looking at my husband, like, am I going to win? Like, this is getting fun. I, I was really, you get, if you're going to, if you're going to spend time doing anything, you, I mean, you might as well give it your very, very best shot. So I worked really hard and I tried to pick songs that challenged me and songs that connected. And when I made it to the finale, I was like, okay, this is, I feel like I already won. Um, but I still secretly wanted to win, obviously, because the main reason I wanted to make it to the final two is that my final song that I didn't get to do on the air was uh, this killer arrangement of Bohemian Rhapsody. And Freddie Mercury, I basically learned to sing by listening to him and mimicking him and jumping all around in my range, you know, this little queer kid from Idaho I just thought oh man and so that was my biggest heartbreak not that I didn't win but I didn't get a chance to sing that second song because that was I was it was all leaning towards that for me um but say la vie and that's just such a great song no matter what so good so I, the best and you really because you know I mean you say people don't think I don't know maybe it's because I live in New York and I'm gay too I mean I I think of you as Broadway a singer I mean yes American Horror Story but you really going into this because I mean if you said to me is Shay and Jackson gonna go home first I would say no I mean he's a singer yes we have En Vogue and Jewel was on in the past and but I would have thought you would do you really thought maybe even with Broadway and all this, like you may not get far. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. This summer, the world must answer one question. Why has no one made a popsicle that gets you high yet? That's right, it's summer, and it's time for you to get your hands on America's new favorite product, Danksicles. 20 milligrams of THC in two great flavors, the latest and greatest innovation from IndiCloud. Is IndiCloud the greatest company to come out of America? Maybe. But what we do know for sure is that IndiCloud is the best way to get dispensary-grade cannabis delivered directly to your door, 100% legally. Yes, they ship legally to all states. No medical card needed. Whether it's vapes as big as your head, flowers you won't find in your mom's garden, or of course, popsicles that get you high as <laughs> What are you waiting for? Go to indicloudco spring24 and get discreet delivery on top-shelf THC products. 
Head over to indicloud.co slash spring24. That's co, not com, to snag 30% off your first order. I never understood how people wear different shirts and pants and bags and shoes every day, but they wear the same pair of glasses. I personally always wear a different pair of glasses every day, and that cost me a fortune until I discovered pair. I mean, the thing is, if you're wearing a blue outfit, don't you want to wear blue glasses that go with that outfit? If you're wearing a red outfit, don't you want to wear red? I do. And you can do that too with pair. It's so easy and it's affordable. Look, you pick your base frame and then you pick a magnetic top frame and you just put the top frame over the base frame. So it looks like you have a new pair of glasses and all you did is buy a new top frame. Base frames start at just $60 and that includes prescription lenses. I know that's crazy, right? And there are hundreds of top frames and designs to choose from. You could do like a solid color. You can do hearts. You can do polka dots, camouflage. People are going to think you have a new pair of glasses every day. You don't need to look anywhere else. This really is a one-stop shop. So listen, get glasses as unique as you are. One pair, infinite style, starting at just $60. Go to PairEyewear.com slash velvet for 15% off your first purchase. That's 15% off at PairEyewear.com slash velvet. I, did, I mean, I didn't know. I, I, I hoped and I thought it gave, I thought my live performance would give me a leg up. I mean, I thought I would make it like a few in, um, but I didn't, I, I mean, who knows? It's also a TV show. So I don't know how things go. And, but it's definitely, it's legit. Those people vote. It's, it's, it's all tabulated and for reals. And like, yeah, I, I, I didn't know, but um, I'm, I'm super happy with how, with how it was and just what I learned about myself and that, you know, finally my mom is satiated that people know that I sing because she just is killed her forever. That, People know you from just the TV show or, or something else. And she's saying, it's your thing. Now, what, what did you learn about yourself from this? Like, and did you learn anything like as a performer, like, you know, you've done so much Broadway and you've done singing. Like, did you learn something about, you know, like yourself as a person and like as a performer that you didn't know? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I learned a lot of things. I, I, I think the biggest takeaway was just that I love performing live. I love singing live and that is what initially got me out of my little town and got me to New York City and got me on the stage and got me on Broadway and touring and Carnegie Hall and all the, the amazing things I've been able to do. And I love acting and I love producing and I'm moving more in that direction and my show Call Me Cat just got picked up for a third season. So super excited to continue doing that. But uh, I had been missing singing live and I had been missing the, the live performance aspect. Even on Call Me Cat, you know, normally we would get um, a live audience, but because of COVID, we've, it's just been us on a soundstage. And so this really scratched that itch for me, but also just reignited my love of live performance and that, that give and take with the audience. Something interesting happened though. Um, when, you, when you asked me about something I've learned, it was, I learned about, I learned what it's like. It's something I wasn't anticipating when, you know, I knew that it would feel kind of freeing to be in the mask, right? Because no one can see you, but it also was very um, isolating and Another friend who I won't say who it was, but went on the show and didn't have the best time. Um, 
it, it was a little too isolating for them. And, you know, you really are in your own head, <laughs> truly. And they don't call you by your name. They only call you by your character name. And so you have to navigate your own thoughts, your own fears, your own anxieties. And in between takes and in between setups, you know, it's an, it, that takes hours and hours to shoot these sequences. And we'd be standing just on the stage and I can see the audience, but they can't see my face. But I can see through my little mouth or my little whatever I'm looking at. And I can see, I can hear them talking. I can hear them go, like talking about your performance, going like, well, look at his legs. And I don't know, I think that's so-and-so. And you really feel um, very exposed and very vulnerable. And you realize like, as an audience member, we can see you and we can hear what you're saying. And um, I felt um, vulnerable, I guess. It was the only way to describe it. It was an interesting uh, dynamic that I hadn't anticipated. I never really thought of that. Cause I mean, I, I know you're in the costume and they all present challenges. I, but the standing there right for hours, I could see that yeah. being isolating. Yeah, for sure. And you have to just uh, have the strength within yourself to know like, this is what's happening right now. And you can get a little claustrophobic. You certainly get incredibly hot. I mean, just drenched your clothes and they're always like fanning you and giving you water. But um, yeah, it's really a challenging thing. And, and I had heard that the physical part of it was to not underestimate that. So ahead of time, I bought a really big, heavy motorcycle helmet and put it on in the garage and walked on my treadmill on a big incline and sang and just really tried to strengthen my neck muscles. Cause when you're singing, this all needs to be relaxed, but when you're tensing and you're trying to hold a big frog head, you can't have the same vibration as normal. So I tried to do everything I could to prep myself, but like nothing can prepare you for when the customer comes in with like three toe gloves and three, you know, and feet that I was like, how can I grab a, a mic? And then they put like little sticky things on my hands so I could at least grip. But I ripped my toes. I stepped on my own frog toes and ripped them off maybe six times. And the costumer, I know he was wanting to murder me. He's just like, can you not wear your feet today? And I was like, I'm sorry. It's, it's the Broadway in me, but you gotta wear the shoes. You have to be in your feet. And I'm gonna be walking on a table with food and I'm singing in Spanish and there's dancers and there's balloons and confetti. And so I always considered it a good sign. If I finish a performance and look down and all of my toes were still on. <laughs> How long did you do this helmet with a treadmill on incline? Like, was that like a week? Like how long did you, I mean, that's, that doesn't seem easy either. No, it was, my neck was so sore. It was crazy. You don't think about that kind of uh, gesticulation and strength needed. Um, a couple of weeks, you know, I was doing this all at the same time I was doing, uh, call me cat. So I would shoot call me cat all day and only a couple of producers and Mayim were allowed to know. So it was a, a wild, uh, schedule and time. And then Leslie Jordan, who I work with on call me cat was also, a guest judge this year on Mass Singer. I think they purposely and smartly didn't put us in the same group, but he came to set and he was so excited about doing it. And he was like, you guys, I just did Mass Singer and Cheyenne, you should do that show. You'd be so good. And I want I was like, I'm on it right now. You know, I wanted to tell him, but 
had to keep the secret. And I told him uh, um, day before yesterday, before it aired, he's like, oh, I'm gonna kill you. And, and um, so that's the fun part. Again, what we talked about at the beginning, just the, the secret aspect. It's fun to, fun to be a part of something that's, you know, can't talk. Hey ladies, look, I know you guys work so hard trying to keep that career together, but hopefully you are taking some time to yourselves. If you haven't already done so, you need to discover Dame. Dame is the only one-stop shop you need to discover all your pleasure with their thoughtfully engineered toys. They also have discreet shipping, hassle-free returns, and the toys are a whole lot of fun. For example, you guys are going to love the Eva. It's a hands-free couples vibrator. It's designed to enhance partner play without getting in the way. Now I got to tell you about the palm for when you're alone. Listen, exploring your pleasure on your own helps you get in touch with, you know, yourself, learn more about what you like. And guess what? That leads to better sex with your partner. And like I said, Dame offers hassle-free returns within 60 days. So your satisfaction is literally guaranteed. Power up your pleasure with Palm or any of the other toys from Dame Products. Go to dameproducts.com and enter code VELVETROPE for 15% off your order. That's right, dameproducts.com. Enter code VELVETROPE and you get 15% off. And oh, hey ladies, don't forget to have fun. At what part did you mention, like, you know, your competitiveness, like, kicked in? Like, when did that happen? Like, you see, like, a Jennifer Holiday go home. I mean, talk about Broadway. You see, like, En Vogue. You knew it was them. But they go home, like, I mean, at what point are you like, wow, I'm still here? Yeah. Um, I can't remember what episode it was because they kind of do them. They air them. In a, I, yeah, I don't remember. But there was a... The, oh, when we had that group number and we sang Katy Perry's Roar... And there's the first time all of us were all, I think it was down four in our group and oh, Shaggy, Shaggy was the, uh, the space bunny. And uh, he has such a cool gruff timbre to his voice. And then of course the En Vogue ladies. And I was like, this is cool. I'm in this group and we'll see, we'll see what happens. But after I made it through that and I was in the top three or two of that group, I was like, oh, okay. I'm in for this. Let's, I, I can't, that's probably when it like kicked in harder. And so I rehearsed harder and tried to be, you know, just kick it up as it were. Well, you've done so much Broadway, like damn Yankees and all shook up and Xanadu. Like, do you have a favorite Broadway and much more? Do you have, is that like asking you to choose amongst your children? Like, do you have a favorite Broadway <laughs> show you've been in? I mean, a little bit, but I definitely have my favorites. I mean, my my Broadway debut was Thoroughly Modern Millie and I had only been in town for less than two months and I was and I got the show within a few weeks but I was on the Broadway stage in the in the show understudying one of the leads both leads Gavin Creel and Mark Kudish um, both were nominated for Tonys for it and I was so new in town. I did my family wasn't there yet. I didn't have, I didn't have, I, I didn't even have headshots when I got the job. I had only, I'd taken them, but I had only the composite, you know, this back in the day. Um, so I, that show is definitely super special. I just remember my entrance uh, in as I'm doing it with Sutton Foster, who had just won the Tony. And I just watched that. And it was like, now I'm about to like do a scene where I kiss her. It was just mine. Crazy, crazy. 
I remember I had my feet up on the desk and I was playing the boss and I was getting into character and um, the whole thing was a turntable. And I just kind of rose out of my body for a second. And I just thought, you're on Broadway. You're about to make your Broadway debut. This thing's going to turn around. You're going to say your line. They're going to laugh, hopefully. And I just had this moment of peace and happiness and just being proud of that little that little outsider kid from Idaho that dreamt of that. And now it was actually happening. And then I was back in my body and I did the thing. So yeah, I mean, Thoroughly Modern Millie has a huge place in my heart. All Shook Up, the Elvis show where, uh, that was my first big break where I was carrying a Broadway show. Um, and there was a billboard of my face in Times Square and I got to meet Lisa Marie and Priscilla and seeing all that great music, um, but probably Xanadu, um, just because it was the, you know, the combination of, of several years of really hard work, making my way and finding something that was a perfect fit of vocal stuff that I love to do and also really weird comedy stuff. And I've always kind of been like, I look a certain way. So you think I'm just like the, the guy that says, come on, everybody, let's go town square. And I have something to tell you. And, you know, um, but I always like to be a little left of center with my comedy and that's the stuff I love. So Xanadu, I think was the, that was the perfect one, the perfect storm for me. I mean, who doesn't love Xanadu? I mean, you know, like. Crazy people. Literally crazy people. (laughs) What were Lisa Marie and Priscilla like? Oh, so nice. So nice. I remember Lisa Marie was, um, Priscilla was very kind. She gave me a guitar um, from the, from the Elvis estate. um, And that was so lovely and uh, incredible. And Lisa Marie was um, cool, but not, not super, like I am very huggy. And, and I remember she was like, very kind, but I just remember that's the first impression I had of her. It was like, don't hug her <laughs> until she gives you the green light. But it was, it was iconic. It was just amazing. I mean, that, that, that time in my life was just so many new things, so many firsts. And uh, I grew up listening to Elvis music. My dad loved, loved, loved it. So I, I had a little advantage going into the auditions because I could sing that stuff in my sleep. Um, so yeah, that was wild. What about, like, you've done so much TV, like 30 Rock and Glee, and do you have a favorite, like, I mean, and I want to get to Call Me Cat in a second. Do you have a favorite, like, guest appearance or, like, multi-episode arc, you know, of all these lighthearted shows, not American um, Horror Story, because I want to talk about that in a second, too. Yeah. Um, well, I was doing Damn Yankees, as you mentioned, in New York with Sean Hayes and Jane Krakowski, and um, Tina Fey came and saw it, and then backstage we met, and that's when she asked me if I wanted to be on 30 Rock. And it was, that was how I got the role. She has, she said, I have a part that I'd like to gauge your interest on 30 Rock. And I was like, okay. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, so 30 Rock is arguably the holy grail of comedy, especially workplace comedy and that kind of humor, which is my favorite. And the, the whip pans to like something ridiculous happening and, you know, the, just the way it talks about culture and politics and nobody is safe. Um, that is my favorite, I think. I mean, 
of that style, absolutely. That I had just been trying to find something as good since, you know, because that was incredible. I learned so much from those people. Alec Baldwin is a master at that type of comedy. And he taught me so much. And most of my stuff was with him and Tina. Jane has been my friend for years prior to that. Jane did the first uh, workshops of um, Xanadu. So we know, knew each other really well before I got on 30 Rock. So yeah, I would say that. And then I've had some fun stuff recently. I loved working on The Watchmen on HBO. And I kind of got to play a, a vigilante superhero, but also kind of um, parody American Horror Story at the same time, which I thought was super meta and super cool. And uh, yeah. And then Call Me Cat, which is just maybe my favorite job ever. When you're backstage and then, you know, Tina Fey comes back, do you say like, you know, like you, your reaction, do you say like, let me think about this. Let me call my manager. Let me call my agent. What, what are the dollars on this? Or are you just like, I don't, please stop talking. Like the answer is yes. It'll be yeah. whatever. Come on. I mean, I, I don't, I don't play a lot of like, oh, let's see. Like I, I wear my heart on my sleeve and I just call it like I see it. And what you see with me is what you get for better or for worse. I mean, I know some agents and managers kind of wish that I would play hard to get a little bit more, but you know what? I just feel like we have one life and I try to say yes to as much as I can. Um, I've had a lot of, a lot of mentors. I, I love mentors. I love older actors, older artists, uh, because they have, the best stories and they have the best advice to give. And um, I, I remember uh, Jerry Orbach, the late great Jerry Orbach who created a million different things and people know him from Law and Order and like the dad on Dirty Dancing, but he's a huge Broadway legend. And he was my neighbor in New York. And he said to me, um, try to say yes to everything if you can, because even if it's on page on paper, it looks kind of silly or it, you never know what it's going to lead to or what it's going to do for you as an artist. And I've really tried to, to do that as much as I can. So bringing it back to your question, when she asked me, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't like, what are the terms of this contract? I was like, uh, yeah. 30 Rock and Tina Fey, Tina right? Tomorrow. Yes, done. Well, along those lines, what does, how did American Horror Story come to you? Was it from being on Glee? Cause you know, up to that point, when I heard of Shan Jackson, I wouldn't have thought, you know, horror, macabre, wouldn't have been what I thought. Mm -hmm. um, that came from Xanadu. Uh, Xanadu, Ryan Murphy came to Xanadu, and then we spoke afterwards, and he told me about Glee. And then I auditioned for Mr. Shoe, Matt Morrison's part, and apparently got close. Um, Matt is a buddy of mine forever. And uh, then he, yeah, he wrote me onto that. I had a couple, you know, a few episodes of that. Didn't get to sing, but um, just started my relationship with Ryan. And yeah, and then not long after that, he, he said he was, he asked me if I could, if I wanted to be on American Horror Story and be married to Lady Gaga, who I had seen in concert five times. So again, another one of those moments where Tina Fey or Ryan Murphy says, do you want to do this thing? You don't say, <laughs> what are the stipulations? You say, yes, please. 
what was it like working with Lady Gaga? Tell me everything. Having sex with sure. Lady Gaga. <laughs> um, it was it was awesome. I, it was I had a lot of uh, uh, nervous energy going into a show like that. Like you said, I was I'd never done anything like that. So, but I I knew how to act and I knew how to be and I knew how to create a character. So I was like, let's just go for this. Um, I was mostly nervous about be- meeting her just because I was such a fan of hers and I wanted to kind of get rid of that quickly so we could create our on-screen relationship. And I remember telling my husband, I was like, I'm just, today's the day I meet her and, and I'm so nervous. He's like, just, you know, be yourself. It's great. It's fine. So I'm in my trailer, I'm getting myself ready and I go and they said, she wants to meet you now. And um, so I'm, I go in and I walk onto the set and she's fully in character as the countess and she has the the blonde hair and the the white eyebrows and the off the shoulder and she you know it's just fabulous and she like put her hand out and she said will drake and i was like oh my god shit is she like fully in character is that am i am i supposed to be doing this too like i had all this panic in my head and she goes i'm just kidding my name's stephanie and she from the very beginning was just fucking cool there's no other way to say it. She made no bones about being new at this and wanting to be great. And she asked, I would watch her openly just say to Kathy Bates or Sarah Paulson or anybody like, help me if I'm not on the right spot, you know, just whatever you can impart. And she was a sponge and she was great. And then won the golden globe and, you know, now is a big movie star, not surprisingly. So um, it was great. And we we remain friends, and she's um she's one of our great artists, truly. She is. Did you learn anything from her? I mean, like you said, she was new. You've been doing this forever. You know, what did you learn from her? You're shaking your head. Um, yes. Yeah, I did. I, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is just is the the freedom with your body. You know, she is so free and so comfortable with her body, and even if she has moments of where she's not she fakes it. And you, you know, so I had never done a nude scene before. I'd never done a, a, like a scene like that. And I was like, okay, here we go. And Matt Bomer was there and like, he was doing his thing. And I was, it was very intimidating. And then I get on set with her and she's like a, she's like a mom. She's just like a, a, a theater chick slash mom. She just took care of me. She took care of everybody. I wasn't even thinking about being naked. She just is like, she just makes you feel like you're going to be okay and it's going to be fine. And, um, and to embrace yourself. And even if the parts of your body that you don't think are perfect, like just own it and love yourself. And that's, I really, really learned that from her because she was um, just so comfortable. You know. Wow. What about, I mean, do you have a favorite incarnation that you were involved in with American Horror Story? I mean, is it Hotel? Or I mean, Roanoke was great, Cult, Apocalypse. Mm. Uh, a lot of them for different reasons, but as far as as far as my contribution, I, uh, my favorite to do was Roanoke because I got to play such an unhinged uh, producer and I didn't normally get to, normally I'm more of the, solid you know straight man to somebody's antics so this time i got to be the one that amped it up and um it was really fun i got some good juicy stuff to do and like a one-on-one with kathy bates and that was incredible she's one of my favorite people and my favorite actresses and 
Um, yeah, that was really fun. Also, I loved, what was the last? Oh, Apocalypse. Um, playing the uh, the uh, Warlock. I can't remember his name now. Oh, John, John Henry. Um, because I love working with, with those guys who are all friends, Billy Porter and everybody. Yeah, it was uh, B.D. Wong. It was, that was really fun. What about, you know, you mentioned Call Me Cat, which is another great Fox show. What, you said it's one of your favorite jobs ever. What is it about Call Me Cat? I mean, it's a great show. I love it. Um, it's just the perfect balance, I think, of silly and sweet. And it's an old-fashioned sitcom in, like, the best way. Uh, we really, I've never bonded with a cast like this before. And that's saying something, because I come from the theater and we're all carny people that you know immediately fall in love with each other but I think because we started call me cat in the middle of a pandemic and like full masks full hazmat suit basically until action and then we take it off and we see each other's faces for the first time and it was so disorienting and, and difficult to create comedy under circumstances like that we just clung to each other in a way um that I've never experienced before. So, and also we can't have a live audience because of COVID. So um, I think the bond with the cast is what is my favorite thing. And we, we started really small and slowly, slowly have been growing, growing our audience and growing our fan base. And we had a lot of people that were like secretly watching this show about my Bialik in a cat cafe. And it has become this really amazing kind, joyful show in a, in a time that we could really use it. Um, so I'm so grateful. Um, it's also close to my house, which is a huge thing. I'm a dad of five-year-old twins and I'm super, super hands-on in every way. So I, I think I missed maybe two bedtimes in two seasons, which is unheard of. So um, I'm so grateful for a third season and for to really deepen these relationships that we all have. As we wrap up two final questions, what is the best thing about working with Mayam? I mean, Mayam is, I always, we always joke on set. It's like, she's part robot, part computer, part Jewish mother, uh, part old timey comedian, um, part Lucille Ball, great physical comedy. Um, she really can do it all. And I watch her do it and juggle it all and also be the executive producer and the star, but also just, she just has her, she's somebody who, who, who can do it all and not everybody can. Um, I learned so much from her on a daily basis, just about timing and about the technical aspect. Cause this was my first multicam. I did one episode of Will and Grace and that's it. So this was a whole new thing for me to learn five camera setup and I'm six, four. So I'm usually constantly blocking somebody with my back or my head. And um, yeah, I just love her. She's uh, we've become very close friends and uh, I just, I'm her biggest cheerleader. Yeah. It's a great show. And last question. So did you, cause you said that she knew, you know, she was one of the ones that knew, did you guys mm -hmm. have any close calls, you know, where people were like, where are the two of you sneaking off to? And you, because she knew about the mass singer, we can bring it back to the mass singer at the end here. Yeah, sure. Um, we definitely had, I mean, the, the closest call we had was when Robin Thicke 
was a guest on Mass Singer. And I had already done the Mass Singer. I'd already shot all my stuff. And here he comes on. And I'm like, ooh, how's this going to go? Because only Mayim and a few people knew. And he looked at me and he was like, nice to meet you. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. Nice to meet you too. Um, but that was the only time I thought, you know, our cover is going to be blown. And um, this is coming close. Was great. Well, listen, third place. Congratulations. I mean, thank you. It was great. Call me cat. Congratulations on season three. It's the little show that could, like you said, it's such a great show. And, you know, thank you. I mean, I've followed your career for a long time. So thank you for taking uh, you're half welcome. an hour out to chat. You're welcome. I appreciate that. Thank Anytime. You so Congratulations and keep in touch. Thanks. You too. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind the Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.